This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. How do you move 50 terabytes per day to 15,000 global engineers? Eric Klinker is the man who knows. He's the founder and CEO of Resilio and former CEO of BitTorrent. Resilio is a vastly enhanced enterprise version of BitTorrent Sync, a completely peer-to-peer alternative to Dropbox. As computing at the cloud is beginning to migrate back to the edge, some predictions say edge data growth is going to reach 50 times the current usage. Resilio is the technology designed to serve that market need. Eric sits down with Ledge in this fascinating episode about the story of BitTorrent, which at one time accounted for 40% of all internet traffic. Now Resilio is advancing that story to enterprise data on the edge. Eric, thanks for joining us. Really cool to have you on today. Ledge, uh, it's just great to be here with you guys. Thank you so much. Can you give a two or three minute background of of you and your work? I know it's uh, many varied and uh, lots of cool stuff. So maybe, you know, the short version. Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, currently the CEO and co-founder of Resilio, but probably better known as the longtime CEO of BitTorrent. Uh, we, We grew BitTorrent from just a you know, a few hundred thousand users to at one point, you know, approaching a quarter of a billion users uh, all over the world, uh, you know, just doing some amazing things there. And, and Resilio is actually an extension of that um, experience. We're taking that magical decentralized technology and, and we know the amazing things it can do. And, and we're trying to put that in the hands of as many uh, large enterprises as possible. And, uh, and that work's been going on for a couple of years and it's, it's going really, really well. Yeah, so much in the the BitTorrent world, you know, I bet most of our audience is very familiar, you know, what with what the peer-to-peer in, in BitTorrent world was and and is. How um, how do you explain it maybe to, you know, the more business user, you know, just set the baseline a little bit? Yeah, so you know, I think I think the word you got to use when you describe BitTorrent is it's different. And almost everything about the internet since its inception is, has been, well, maybe in the early days it was more decentralized, but, you know, call it since the mid nineties when the, when the web really took off, uh, there's been this never ending uh, train that's sort of going towards more and more centralized. And you see that in, in properties like Google and Facebook and Twitter. And it's, it's a well-trod topic now, but, you know, BitTorrent started out different and it stayed different and it was very decentralized. It was all the power at the edge, kind of like what the internet was originally meant to be. And, uh, and through that power, uh, we were able to you know, do some amazing things in a completely decentralized way. There are no servers involved. There was no company of thousands. We didn't have any data centers. And yet at one point I was moving probably 40% of the entire internet's uh, traffic volume with just you know, 20 software engineers in a, in a kind of a rundown office in San Francisco. And, uh, and that kind of power, you just don't see that in too many places where you know, one engineer is responsible for like whole percentage points of internet traffic. He could check in something uh, into the code base and, and change the nature of the internet. That's, that's what decentralized power can do. And there aren't too many examples of it, but BitTorrent is certainly one of the more interesting ones, shall we say. Yeah, and it was all about moving data across that distributed network. And, you know, roughly speaking, I understand the protocol, you know, to break up huge yeah. files into tiny pieces and have every every peer on the network sort of have pieces of that. 
And That's right. uh, I did make prolific use of it, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> um, you know, one place I'm interested in what you think about this because in one place decentralization is coming up a lot now is, is now um, resurfacing in the blockchain conversation. Are there parallels there? Yeah. So uh, incidentally enough, I left BitTorrent uh, about two years ago, but you know, stayed actively involved with the management team there. And we just recently sold uh, the company to a blockchain project. Uh, so obviously the blockchain space sees the, the synergies. I saw it, you know, from the very early days, unfortunately, um, you know, blockchain came a little too late for BitTorrent. We were doing many of the things that uh, you see being incubated in the blockchain world, you know, long before it was cool. Every one of these projects, we probably had something very much like it at BitTorrent at one point or another. And w what we had lacked at the time was this ability to decentralize the incentive mechanisms uh, through, you know, through these tokenization efforts. But now that that's far more mainstream, uh, there is an effort to marry blockchain and BitTorrent together. It's underway right now. And uh, you can obviously uh, go check it out at, at that site. There's still hundreds of millions of users on BitTorrent. And I think you'll see uh, BitTorrent plus blockchain being you know, one of the more high scale applications of decentralized um, blockchain applications out there very, very soon. And so tell the story now of Resilio. How are you taking that to the more commercial and enterprise environment? And you know what had to change? What are the maybe the different, more accepted paradigms you know when you kind of hop up the ladder to big organizations yeah yeah sure so like well why did we even think this was a good idea to begin with and it started with one of these uh, applications that we had built that was decentralized called BitTorrent sync um, you could think of it i don't know if you used it but you could think of it like a version of dropbox but without the cloud you know completely peer-to-peer -peer, one computer one phone one nas uh, connecting to another and you would create these very small private cloud instances and we had you know a dozen uh, dozen million maybe 10 million users or so of this application but one of the very first things that happened when we launched that was uh, you know it was a very technical product and it appealed to a very technical audience and these guys all had day jobs and they said you know this thing is awesome and it's changed my life at home and with that inbound demand uh, it was immediately obvious uh, we said you know what BitTorrent's a consumer product. Uh, there's no way the CIO is going to sign a deal with BitTorrent, uh, but it's very clear that this technology is perfect for these enterprise applications, especially at the edge. Uh, so if you had, uh, you had a very far-flung operation like large retail, I think McDonald's has 36,000 uh, global restaurants, and they're all in parts of the world, well, many of them are in parts of the world where maybe the connectivity isn't great, but hey, you know, BitTorrent's been operating in these environments since the inception. In fact, that's one of the reasons it became so powerfully successful was that it could operate in the poor network environment of the early internet. Invented in 2001, became kind of popular in 2003. It's a long time ago, and the internet doesn't look anything like it does today, where you can actually stream Netflix. You couldn't do that back then. Right? The only network that could deliver Netflix was the post office. Uh, except BitTorrent. BitTorrent could make the internet do uh, what no other application uh, could deliver. So that power, especially if you've got a lot of vehicles uh, out on the network, they may come or they may go. We, we have some of the largest fire departments. Cal Fire is a is a uh, in the news lately, and they're a Brasilio customer. Um, large retail. I've just mentioned a couple, you know, very significant fast food chains. And then the other flip side to this uh, uh, argument is well, maybe. 
I've got really, really good networks, but I'm pushing just a tremendous amount of data, more data than you can imagine. And these might be like large video game makers uh, where they're doing CICD, they're constantly building very large software, and they're doing it on a global basis all over the world. You know, maybe they have 50 offices in, in almost every geography. How do you move 50 terabytes a day to 15,000 engineers? Uh, that's also something that Resilio and, and BitTorrent technology can do. So these are just a, a little bit of the, the applications that we've seen. There are many, many more. But we do see this trend of you know, computing that was at the cloud beginning its long march back towards the edge. And you see it manifest in, in terms like fog computing, grid computing. Edge computing is the latest. Uh, these are all uh, you know, words that describe this trend. There's going to be a lot more data on the edge of the network. Uh, than there is in the cloud, and it's probably going to be 10 times the volume that we have today. Those trends are just going to continue, and we think this is the exact perfect technology to ride that wave, and uh, and we're super excited to be taking it out to market. I was a BitTorrent Sync uh, user. Oh, excellent. excellent. And I had it on all my devices, and yeah, it was very cool how you could move yeah. stuff around in your own private cloud, and there was no interstitial sort of a centralized authority there. So yeah. a lot of sense. And I imagine then when you're talking about rolling that out, it gets more and more powerful when you have tens of thousands of nodes on the, you know, um, essentially the private network and on all the devices that go with one of those larger organizations. So in fact, if I understand the protocol correctly, it would get faster and faster and faster by nature of distributing across all those nodes. Absolutely right. Yeah, that, and that's what makes it different, right? Every other technology uh, is all you know, client-server, and as you increase demand, uh, <laughs> you know, the supply has to increase in kind, otherwise the application is going to fail. But uh, when you have a peer-to-peer -peer application, every uh, bit of demand also brings with it a lot of supply, and it is organic in that nature. That's what makes the protocol ex exceedingly scalable for all these you know, very large data applications uh, that the enterprise is, is currently trying to grapple with. And it's, it's perfect for uh, a world where data is going to get bigger. And of course, everybody believes that it will. And it's also perfect for a world where there's gonna be many more computers. And hey, guess what? Um, Moore's Law marches on and, and you know, computing is now so cheap that it's gonna be prolific. It's gonna be everywhere. And, uh, and those are both uh, massive drivers of, of scalability challenges that every enterprise will have to face. Peer-to-peer uh, -peer and distributed technology is the only way to solve those problems. Attention, we interrupt this super nerdy tech talk to bring you a very exciting announcement. At Gun.io, we connect you with senior freelance engineers. They have 10 plus years of experience. They've been triple vetted. They're perfect. Are you an awesome company or an awesome individual that has a new project on the horizon? Then head to gun.io. We've got every engineer for every tech skill. And do you use a node on each of the, let's say you have a big public cloud or, or private or hybrid type of server implementation, do you also run them in the cloud to, to boost up the bandwidth of the overall? Um, yep. You know, so you can centralize essentially on your own systems and use your full edge computing capability out in all the devices then. Absolutely. Yep, that's correct. And you, know, you spin up uh, 10,000 instances and they can all be running uh, you know, a, a little piece of this protocol to make the cloud even more powerful than it is today. So it's also an easy way to scale up demand in the cloud or 
uh, to move data to or from the cloud. Uh, you know, we focus on the edge because that's the problem that really hasn't been solved. But right now, most of the data applications are moving from the edge into the cloud. They're trying to figure out, well, how do I migrate this on-prem application to the cloud? Probably 50% of our customers are, are, are doing things like that. How do I get this data that used to be on the edge uh, in both the edge and the cloud? And I want to use both. Uh, it's a perfect, again, another perfect instance where uh, distributed technology fits the bill very nicely. And then once you want to you know, have multi-cloud or cloud-to-cloud or I want to have you know, cloud redundancy, I need to keep these applications alive and well on, on you know, multiple vendors so that I don't get locked in. Uh, that's also something that, again, distributed technology, if it's cross-platform, uh, is perfect for. And again, one of, the, one of the big drivers of our business is migration to the cloud. So you're talking to 10,000 engineers right now who are always interested in playing with the newest, best, most uh, difficult problem-solving technologies. How can engineers get into and deploy around this type of uh, application You know, who are not immediately working on an enterprise problem? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's it's one of these areas where we need to do a better job of of incubating the community. So probably the best place to start is uh, is the Resilio Sync product, which is uh, the later version of that BitTorrent Sync uh, product that we had uh, talked about earlier. It's still uh, being produced, and it's very easy to access. It's free to download. You can uh, begin to to use it just like you could BitTorrent Sync, and that'll give you a flavor instantly for what uh, what kinds of workflows. Uh, the technology would be good for uh, to engage with the enterprise product. It's uh, it, it's a it's a bit of a beast, right? It's all about automation, and you have to have fairly strong scripting uh, skills if you're a good PowerShell user. Uh, the API it's all API driven uh, if you need it to be, and uh, it's really all about automating these data driven workflows. Uh, if I need to get data from A to B, I don't think about that in terms of the data. I think about that in terms of the workflow. I got to get it from A to B. And I might use rsync for that, but rsync fails. Uh, I'm looking for an alternative to rsync, or I'm looking for an alternative way to architect my distributed storage. Maybe you know, DFSR is not working the way it used to, and I, I need a more modern approach to that age-old problem of how do I keep data in all the places that need it, when they need it. Uh, these types of automated workflows are going to be a little more difficult to engage with, but uh, you know, we we need to do more uh, outreach to the community and more you know, developer based, um, you know, knowledge based activities. We have some properties out there uh, where if you search for them, you can find a lot of community engagement around it. But it's fairly hidden, and you're going to have to do a little bit of digging. But uh, there are Reddit communities. Uh, the knowledge base itself has a, a fairly active uh, user base that anybody can join. Uh, properties like this, it's, it's it's something where you know is if you're in the know, you know, but you know, how do we get the word out there? This is the age-old challenge of, of go-to-market strategies that, um, you know, at Resilio, we're like BitTorrent. We're a bunch of engineers, and we're, uh, we're trying to learn how to do sales and marketing, and it's always a bit of a trick. That's fantastic. Well, we just took a step there. So, Yes, thank you. Absolutely. So I, I ask a question of, of all the tech leaders and engineers that I talk to. And, you know, it's based on, um, obviously, we're in the business of, you know, finding and evaluating and vetting, you know, the very best software engineers. You know, we take that very seriously. We have a very rigorous uh, multi-tier approach. You know, it's very difficult to, to get validated and get through into our network and work with, with clients. And we 
think we're pretty good at that, but you know, I always like to make sure that we're on the cutting edge of, of doing that. So I like to ask everybody I talk to, you know, what are your heuristics for, you know, identifying and, um, you know, hiring the, the best engineers, like how, how do you measure them and, and what's the process and yeah, like, yeah. what really identifies the, the great engineers that, that you want when you have, you know, many choices? Yeah. So that, that's an outstanding question. And I, I think we've, we've kept a fairly consistent process starting all the way back from BitTorrent um, days. And, and the, the kind of engineer that we were looking for at BitTorrent was uh, a little bit different, right? We were looking in particular for protocol engineers and, uh, and these, these are not as common <laughs> as, uh, as um, you know, some of the other uh, flavors that, that you have out there. They're all great engineers, but the way we would, would filter them and it would probably start with Bram first and foremost, who uh, was fairly well integrated into the community and he loved coding challenges. So he's always a puzzle guy himself. And we've uh, kept this process as uh, if you think about a problem in terms of a puzzle and if you can solve it, then you're pretty good at thinking about uh, a protocol that might solve that problem very generally. And those are always the things that we were looking for. How do you uh, generally approach a problem? What do you, what, what's your thinking process? And uh, we were more interested in how you went about it, whether than you, did you get the right answer at the end of the day? Uh, because the, the folks that we were, again, looking for, needed to approach the market very differently, right? If, if you uh, built a, up in a data center world and you were very used to scaling data centers and then we would throw you into BitTorrent where you needed to deal with something that was completely unreliable, like how do you make use of an edge node that might not be there? And that's, that's different than the, the skills that you would uh, typically see in probably 99% of the jobs. So in some senses, we were looking for a different kind of talent. I think the blockchain world has probably uh, broadened this uh, uh, this skill set quite a bit, and I think the talent pool would probably be much richer today if uh, if we were look, looking to staff up, you know, BitTorrent circa 2005 uh, than it was at the time. But those are the 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 ways that we would evaluate talent. It's just you know, give them a coding challenge and. And see more importantly, how do you approach it? How do you approach the problem? And if you approach it in an insightful way or a unique way, then that's a pretty good sign that you're going to be a very successful protocol engineer. So I I need to ask, you know, it's what was it like, and how do you think about? Because I mean, so many entrepreneurs face this, like just being ahead of the curve, and um, you know, you developed a thing that was extraordinary, and. And people who got it really got it. Um, but then, you know, that's just that idea that the world maybe wasn't ready to you know, implement it at scale. How do you, um, looking back, you know, how do you, how do you process that? And any advice for, for people who are, you know, essentially ahead of the curve? Yeah, I guess the first, the first thing to point out is you're going to make a lot of enemies uh, if you're successful in, in this. So, you know, tiny little bit torn, 20, 20 software engineers in a small office in San Francisco. We had outsized presence on the Internet, but we were really trapped between two gigantic industries. Uh, the first industry, which is obvious, is Hollywood was not ready to embrace the Internet and certainly not ready to embrace it in a way that uh, you know, completely took away any kind of control that they had over the content. Uh, their their entire business model is built around maintaining tight control of the product. And the internet began to loosen that grip quite a bit. 
And they've since recovered quite nicely, I think, and Hollywood's doing better than ever, and everybody knew that it would uh, once this platform had been embraced. The other industry, which you maybe didn't expect, is the telecom industry. Uh, both of them uh, looked at BitTorrent as like you know pure evil. And uh, I, I often pictured myself as uh, this tiny little pebble being ground between two gigantic tectonic plates of, uh, of industries. Now, fortunately, we had to attack both, right? We had to solve both of these problems, otherwise BitTorrent wasn't going to be successful. And uh, the telecom problem was manifest in, in debates like network neutrality and, and others where um, you know, clearly they were not ready to uh, deliver the kind of capacity that an application like BitTorrent was uh, demanding of their networks, and that required a lot of CapEx to build. And, and they would uh, say, you know, throw about terms like, well, you know, way too much traffic and, and we got to stop it. We got to block it. We got to uh, curtail it. And uh, we were able to solve that problem, which is both are really political problems, but we solved the telecom problem uh, with a technical solution, which is wonderful and exactly the kinds of problems that we love to solve where we said, well, you know what? BitTorrent is such a distributed protocol. Uh, what you're really complaining about is congestion. Let's, Let's just eliminate that problem. Let's make the protocol be less than best effort. And if any other application wants to use the network, then BitTorrent will magically get out of the way. And uh, you know, the, the cost of your network is, is incurred only at the moment where you incur congestion, which means you have to increase capacity and, and build out the network. Otherwise, the network is effectively free. If there's uh, excess capacity, then why wouldn't you want your user base to have access to it and use it to the to the maximum extent possible because it's going to deliver a better consumer experience to them. So by changing the protocol, uh, again, protocol engineers, uh, we were able to solve a ginormous uh, political problem with the telecom industry. And of course, there was a, a regulatory battle that was raging as well with network neutrality, and it, it has had its ups and downs since then. But it's really not been driven by BitTorrent because at the end of the day, we solved that particular problem for them. The, the content industry, that was a trickier one. There wasn't really a technical solution to what was effectively a business model problem. And the business models needed to evolve, and they did eventually, uh, to accommodate the internet. And that's why you see you know, Netflix being probably one of the most highly valued uh, content properties on the internet today. Yeah, you really drove uh, a whole lot of disruption there yes I, I kind of i wonder what that's like looking back at that you know just being a 20 engineers in a room you know and saying wow we really uh, caused quite an earthquake there <laughs> right yeah it's uh it was a unique it was a unique experience for sure and and again i think it drove uh, you know so many wonderful uh stories and experiences and even though yeah i probably don't have uh, you know, i probably you know, i'm only if 18, I probably look like I'm 75. Uh, it, it definitely had an impact on the, <laughs> on the appearances and it was stressful, but it was a, also a, just an amazing time and, and just great, great experience. Well, Eric, so cool to have you. Thanks for telling those stories. I know, I know the audience is going to love it. Yeah, you bet. And uh, happy to share. And it's been great to be with your ledge. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.
Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.